Now, True Wealth, presented by Little John Financial Services. Here are David Littlejohn and Katie Shook with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, all right. Welcome back, gang. I know it's been an entire week, and you have, you know what you've really missed, I am sure. The best Tuesday you've had all week. It is the True Wealth Radio Show. I'm your host, Dave Littlejohn. Joining me in studio is Katie Shuck. And we are going to have lots of fun today. We're talking finances and uh, the other stuff that comes with finances, which is kind of whatever we feel like. Which is a lot of stuff. It is a lot of stuff. So this is the stuff program. But <laughs> we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to go right after it. Right, right after the headline that is the joke. I mean, I, I can't walk anywhere where somebody says, "Oh, you are in finance." I have got to ask you. Oh goodness, about right? GameStop. Yeah. So, by the way, my favorite emoji right now is the one where she just has her palm on her forehead. It's like, oh, really? Right. So, GameStop. Katie, do you have any idea what's going on with this? I have been. <laughs> have you heard about it? Yeah, yeah just a little bit. <laughs> oh, there are some really funny ones. Um, and we're getting new terms like smooth brain and diamond hands. What? Oh, yeah. These are all associated Like you needed with this. more vocabulary words to add to your mm-hmm. list. Smooth brain. What is a smooth brain? Okay. So remember, if you're smart, then your brain's full of wrinkles. So if you're dumb, then you have a smooth brain. Oh, no. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so smooth well, and brain. I know where this is going. And then what about diamond hands? Okay, so diamond hands, is it's sort of a double entendre almost, or it's got multiple meanings at least. So uh, first of all, diamonds are- Expensive. They're expensive. They're also really hard. Okay. And so the idea is that uh, you want a, a steady and unwavering resolve- is that you know? So the diamond hand concept is all right. You're not gonna. Um, it's like a brick wall, then. Like yeah, you're, it's you're... sort of, and and it's all in reference to what's been going on around GameStop. GameStop. Mm-hmm. What? Oh my gosh! There's so many videos. I know we sent out an email to our clients, like there, because yes. everybody's going, "What the heck?" So it's a really good program today. I want to talk a little bit about the mechanics of what drives us a market. Okay, we talk about earnings and we talk about diversification we talk about lots of stuff but you know what we don't talk about very often really trendy things like gamestop well but see (laughs) or investing in really trendy things like gamestop gamestop is illustrative right illustrative depending on how you want to pronounce it i like illustrative okay (laughs) but it's so it's a great illustration of how markets can operate and in some instances the difference is by of how the game is played between Main Street and Wall Street, or the retail investor versus the institutional investor, and it really showcases some differences. Well, it's a, a little bit. It showcases knowledge. So it, it of like showcases, what you understand, what's going on, and and how much of you're just following the trend. Well, right, and, and the reason this is so relevant. First of all, the smooth brain comment. There's also some that are far more offensive. We're not going to go there on the radio, okay? But this started around a Reddit group. Well, it started with yeah, the guy was on Reddit, right? Okay. Was that his platform that he was speaking out on? So yeah, and Reddit is like a. I think it's an aggregation tool for lots of different online bulletin boards, but people come through Reddit to comment. It's it's sort of a social media comment th- right. environment. Right. 
And it's a social. It is a social media. Yeah, it's a social media environment. Let's just call it that. And you know, there's some there's some voting elements to it and whatnot. And it starts with this guy that uh, has a, again kind of a name we're not going to say on the radio is his uh, screen name, but who goes out and identifies that GameStop is so the GameStop is a video game company, and the best way I could sort of there's break one it here down in Roseburg, quickly, by the way. Huh? There's one here in Roseburg. Right, right. There's one over by like Bob's Deli and Little Caesars in that area, I think. No, no, no. Isn't that the one? Okay, where is it then? No, it's over by the, it's in the Ross Shopping Center. Is it in the Ross Shopping Center? Yeah. Where? You're thinking of something. I don't think, GameStop is, it was, it's, there's a game trading place over where like the optics thing is in the Mexican restaurant, like in that section okay. along well, where it, the It very well is. could be, look, you could tell, so there you go. So it shows you what I know, right? <laughs> Uh, maybe I'm thinking I'm, of the I'm almost certain place. it's there. I'm going to Google it just to make sure I'm not saying <laughs> not the wrong place. Not important for the program. Pretty sure. So, bottom line is that it is a chain. It's a retail chain, and I would compare it in a lot of respects to yeah. Blockbuster Video. Garden Valley Boulevard. Okay, good. So Katie wins. <laughs> so, Garden Valley, GameStop, yay! And but they buy, but, sell, but and trade. Video games. But they're physical games, right? So that's the interesting thing about this. And while you can still get physical games on certain gaming consoles, many of these games are moving to the online arena. Right, where you download the game. Yeah, so it's the same way that Netflix sort of was the dagger in Blockbuster. Right. That's been the premise behind GameStop is that this is a company that is a melting ice cube. That's one of my favorite analogies, right? It's just dwindling as time... And temperature takes its toll. Right. So a bunch of institutional hedge funds went out and said, we're going to short Okay, hold on. The before, stock. before you get too crazy, because we're going to use a lot of financial terms. And most people may have heard these terms, but don't really understand what they are. What's a hedge fund? Okay, so at, first of all, a hedge fund is, for our purposes, it's just an investment company. Hedge funds have some different rules, the way they get to treat taxes, and they can pool money from investors, but they don't have the same investment rules as, say, a mutual fund. Primarily, hedge funds are reserved for like insta- what we would call accredited investors. Right. So like you have to have a certain net worth or have to have like a certain, like it's millions. Like you have to have yeah, a- it's So these are the, the wealthy people's tool. Right. For the most part. Right. And- Wealthy is a spectrum, right? But right. there's sort of a minimum standard of either income or net worth in order to p- play in this pool. Right. Like you have or, to have a million dollars of liquidity to play. Or certain professional credentials, right? I think it was like a million dollars to play or like two and a half million worth of net income or something so like that. So a million dollar net worth or $300,000 is a couple, $200,000 is an individual. Last I checked. And th- those numbers- As income. Shift, as income, yes. Yeah. So you have to be either high earner or high net worth, and that's liquid net worth that doesn't count your home. Right. So- and again, don't go fact check me on that because I didn't look up accredited investors' specific numbers. If they've moved them a little bit, you get the concept. It's high net worth folks. And hedge funds typically have high barriers to entry, too. You know, maybe minimum $50,000 to play or higher just to be in the, the fund, group. Yeah. Right. So you're pooling your assets, having a professional team go out and then buy things on your behalf. And they're acting as an institution, not really taking any say from you. They just take your money and then go invest it for you. Right. 
And this because this is not a show today about hedge funds. No, no, I don't no. I dig just, too deep into it. I just wanted you to explain to people what a hedge right. fund is. Like it's not something for the everyday investor. Yeah. And it, the, the name nomenclature comes from the idea that hedge hedging is the idea of if you are going to own something, then you're going to own something else that is going to behave different as a way to offset risk. So it hedge, hedges even either mean you're buying insurance or you're buying some kind of inverse correlated asset another fancy term for saying hey if this thing zigs then i'm going to buy something else that zags right right and the the hedge fund structure gives a lot more freedom than that but it it became named hedge fund because oftentimes these funds were buying derivative products which is again now we're say, getting into the weeds but yeah well it, it's to say like if you had a stock and then you wanted an option on the stock. That That's not the stock anymore, right? It's just the right to buy or sell the stock for a period of time. That's a derivative of the stock, right? It's a derivation. It's not the stock. Right. If you were just buying the investments that were the derivation from that other thing, now you're into hedge land. And that's why hedge funds get more complex, right? Got it. But that was how they got named. It turns out hedge funds can just go buy stocks, too, or they can buy right. weird instruments because they're still trading on the market they buy all kinds of weird investments they could go buy bundles of property you know they, i mean so there's a lot of freedom for hedge fund managers to do lots of stuff depending on how they're designed and whatever contract that you agree to when you enter into this fund agreement so these are the big players that are, are throwing around oftentimes hundreds of millions if not billions of dollars Right. When they're going into these different investment ventures, hedge funds will sometimes buy entire companies. Wow. Okay. I mean, it's possible that they can buy entire companies. Well, in the case of GameStop, the premise of hedge fund managers was this thing ain't healthy. Right. right? So we see an investment that looks a little we sick. Th we think it looks sick and we think the price of the stock is going to fall. So we're going to do something that, uh, again, people don't really think of in terms of like, oh, sure, that's an option. Because, you know, before I tell you what they do, at the very most basic level, how do you make profits in, in the investment market? This is not a rocket science question, by the way. You sell something for more than you bought it for. Bingo, right? Okay. You buy low and you I sell high. high. Right. You So you buy low and you sell high. Well, how would you make money on a company that is expected to potentially fail or certainly lose value? You would sell an option to have somebody buy it at a higher price? I'm not sure. I'm guessing. Right. Uh, so that's a, a total like swing in the dirt. Awesome. Okay. I was well. I'm thinking about that. I'm like, okay, because if you bought the stock and it went down, you're losing money. So that's not what you want to do. Right. So, so what you do is you borrow the stock, sell it, and then buy it at a lower price and return it. What? Yeah, you heard it right. Now, this, by the way, happens in real life. You go to Katie, oh, this is on margin. This is you. Yes, you borrow the stock using margin. So somebody else that owns the stock, you're going to go to your brokerage firm and say, "Hey, I would like to sell GameStop," and they go, "Well, you don't have any GameStop." You go, "That's true, but if you will loan me the money, or in this case, loan me the stock, then I will sell it, and then I will buy it back later and return it to you." 
and they say, okay, well, how much are you going to borrow? You say, it'll be this amount of money, right? Great. So that value of stock you borrow and short, meaning you sell it. Okay. So I borrowed $50,000 worth of stock. And then you sell it and now you you essentially have- And then I turn around and I buy it so back you for 25000 of stock that has been sold and you buy it back for 25, you made $25,000. Okay. Minus- The trading fees and all that. Well, minus also the interest that you pay while you've borrowed the stock. Okay. Because you had to borrow the value of the stock too. So your brokerage firm charges you interest. Okay. Now, so let's this say- This is important. This is really important. So everybody's with me so far? Yes. We have borrowed a stock. We have then sold the stock. We are paying interest on the the borrowed value to our broker, and then we're going to buy the stock back at a lower price. What happens next? Oh, we I take don't... a break. <laughs> and we, hey, we get everybody hang on so that you will come back after these obscene, profitable messages for the station, and I will tell you. But we got to take our break first. We'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn and Katie Shuck. We got True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. All right, gang, welcome back to the True Well Show. Dave Littlejohn. And Katie Shuck. And we're covering the- GameStop. Tr- yeah, GameStop. <laughs> That's a tricky one. And if you were joining us just now, grab the podcast. It'll be posted at littlejohnfs.com tomorrow under the Educate tab. And we're getting into the weeds a little bit, but not really Not weeds. really. We're trying to explain what yeah. the heck is going yeah. on Beca- and so that you better understand, because otherwise it just looks like somebody lit it on fire. Well, so it, th- we're talking about the mechanics of the market today. Okay, we talk about lots of things around investing, but I'm trying to help folks understand a little bit about what goes on at the difference between, say, the the Main Street level and the Wall Street level, the the retail versus the institutional side of investing. And we're we are going to barely scratch the surface today, but we do need to know this. At the break, we were talking about the concept of what's called a short sale. Okay, now this is an industry term. Okay, and so finance guys, remember that the rule with financial services is if you could use your own special language and it can be confusing, then it can be expensive. Okay, <laughs> so that's the trick. So what we're gonna do, and all of my listeners, they're smart, right? We're Our just gonna make this a really, really expensive show today. So we're gonna use the the dollar and the fifty cent words, but by the time you're done, they're all gonna feel like five and ten cent words. You're gonna understand them so that you don't get duped by somebody. Okay. Okay. So we're talking about margin and we're talking yep. about calls. We're talking so, about. So the language first, though. Okay. If you buy something, it's called going long. Okay. If you own a, a stock or an investment of any kind, you are long that investment. Okay. Okay. Now, if you go short an investment, that is saying that you are selling it before you own it. Because if you're long and you close your position, that just means that you're selling it and you don't own anything, right? Now you okay. own cash. Okay. But if you don't own a position, like GameStop, which is what <laughs> we're talking about today, then if you wanted, if you thought the stock was going to go down, then you would want to sell high and then buy low. Right. Right. Because- we're just inverting. You know, buy low, sell high is real easy, but sell high, buy low. That's flipping the equation. So we're backwards. putting the cart before the horse on this one. So in order to do that, we've got to borrow the stock. 
So and who do we borrow it from? Well, that's what your brokerage firm does, right? So a brokerage firm may have their own inventory. This is like if you go to a car dealership, they have cars on the lot, right? That's their own inventory. Or they trade with other car dealerships. They can trade with other car dealerships too. Ah. So let's use the car dealership as our example because that's pretty tangible for most of our listeners. Okay. So Katie, you walk in to buy a new car and- So uh, I want a brand new red Corvette. Okay. And you walk over, and since the, the local Chevrolet dealership in town is Clint Newell, so he's getting some free press here. So you, you go to Clint Newell Motors, and you say, hey, I'm interested in a brand new Corvette. Okay? And you want a red one. Yes. And he says, well, I've got this really sharp silver one here. And you say- Nope, I want red. But you say it really nicely, right? Like, hey, that is a really fine looking vehicle, but it's not red. And so they say, no problem, right? We will totally get you the red one. And what features do you want on it? And right. you fill out your little punch card or you right. put it in the computer, whatever they do now. And they say, okay, we can have it for you next week. Let's draw up the paperwork. Right. Now, he okay. doesn't physically have it on the lot. Correct. What did he just do? He sold something he doesn't own yet. Correct. Because so, he knows he can buy it at wholesale somewhere later. Now, here's the, the catch. Most of the time, they're going to they're the dealership's going to look around at everybody else's inventory, and then they're going to before they make a commitment to get you this perfect car, they're going to confirm that they can actually get it. Right they're now, that's important because somebody has to own one of these in order to give it to you. Because if they write a contract and obligate themselves, and then they can't go locate that vehicle, they have a problem. Right. Right. So. The stock market's not entirely unlike this example. So you borrow GameStop and your broker looks around and says, well, do we have any other GameStop shareholders? And do they have some kind of agreement where they will loan us their shares to pre-sell them? Hmm. And so the answer typically is, well, okay, yeah, we've got that agreement. So we go ahead and offer through a margin account, which is like a lending account. We loan the shares to the, this other person. They sell it. If the price goes down, they can then buy it back and they can return the shares to you. So the original loaner of, lender of the shares is totally fine. They still have they're the shares. Because they made whole because if they loan right? you 20 shares and they get 20 shares the, back. Yep. Then... And the broker's happy because they got to be involved in some of the transaction fees and they got interest for when people borrowed money from them. Right. To, you know, the so borrowed value. So they got paid value. to do the deal. And the short seller is happy because they sold high, high and, and bought, bought low, low and made profits. Right. So the only person that's not happy is the person that bought low and it went up or, you know, had to get out of the position. Well, what happens if you intend for the stock to go down, but it doesn't? You buy the stock or you, you borrow the stock and you sell it, and then the price starts to go up and up and up and up. Well, I would hurry up and try to buy it before it goes up too high, because otherwise I'm going to lose a bunch of money on it. Well, or you could say, well, you know what? I can just wait forever, right? Paying no, interest on no, it. No, no, because you are paying interest. And what happens is... If the stock goes up, so so now who has the risk if it goes up? Me. Well, you do as the person that sold the stock before you owned it, but so does the broker who lets you borrow the stock. 
Yeah, because they have a deal that's in process and they need to return they it to the rightful owner. They have to return the stock to somebody else. Ah. And so what will happen is if the stock goes up too high, the stock that you've borrowed is essentially your collateral. And if the collateral can't back up your loan, then you're going to have to find more collateral. Uh-oh. It's called a margin call. And that's the equivalent of your broker saying, your account is not solvent. You need to either get more cash and put it in here so that we have enough collateral on hand to pay back the people that we need with those shares. Right. Because we got to return the shares that they ask for. Right. Or you have to sell your position. At a loss. Well, in this case, not sell. You have to close your position, which is, means you have to buy it back at a loss which still means you have the to loan and you're still you're buying it money. back to return the shares. Right. right. So this enter the GameStop saga. Oh my gosh, right? So all I told you all of that story to get to this one, which is that somewhere some people on this Reddit news board, there was one person in particular that kind of started it, but they noticed that there was more shares borrowed than exist than, than existed in what we call the float. That's the number of shares that were sort of circulating and trading in the marketplace. Okay. And so when you're short interest, meaning the number of people shorting the stock exceeds the total amount of shares in circulation, that's a really interesting circumstance. And they came along and said, you know, I think that so GameStop got a new CEO. They're going to do some new things to try to reinvigorate the business. And they came along and said, you know, I think maybe it's not as bad as some of these guys think. And they bought, like, they, they, they I, as I understand it, they kind of cleaned out their retirement. They had about $50,000 or, or so. Oh, this and, is the YOLO moment. Like, a couple And they people... bought their whole life savings into GameStop stock at like $10 a share. And then they went out and bought some GameStop options which is the right to buy the stock at or at a low price right even if the price is really high right, right. and so at ten dollars a share and then the word started getting out on this message board hey there's more shares that have been shorted than exist if you buy these shares and you refuse to sell them then it will force the margin calls as, as we all buy and bid the price up, right? Because it's supply and demand makes the price go up. Right. That actually doesn't have anything to do with how much money the company makes or anything. At this moment, it doesn't. Well, it, it, has n- <laughs> well, it, it never has. What happens is that's how people rationalize the value of something. And that's what influences demand is their ability to rationalize. So these people in this Reddit board rationalized that if we control enough of the stock, it won't be available for these people that need to buy it back. Buy it back, and that will drive the price even higher. It's something called a short squeeze, squeeze which we talked about last week. Yes. So now we've got the short squeeze on, where people start buying everywhere they can think of because they need to buy it back at whatever price they can get it at. Well, if they have a margin call, they're required to to either buy it back or produce more capital. Right. So. Some hedge funds actually went out and they they got bailed out by other hedge funds. They just got more money added to their margin account. Wow. Okay. And others had to scramble. But this is where 
people that were jumping on board, they start making the joke about being a smooth brain. They're like, I don't know how it works, but you know what? I see it going up quickly and I'm just going to be part of it. it, There's that. And it became kind of a movement. It became this little guy sticking it to the man because recall around 2008 when the markets crashed last time, many hedge funds opportunistically created that environment by shorting the market and then really encouraging prices to collapse. And when that happened, you know, a lot of the, these are, you know, some of them are, you know, late twenties, early thirties traders right now. And they're saying, I remember watching my parents lose their homes. Yeah. And so they say, this isn't about the money for me. This is about a crusade to harm the hedge funds that harmed my My parents. parents. Yeah. So it became a movement and then it got traction. And this Reddit board, Wall Street Bets, went from under a million subscribers to over 5 million subscribers in a few weeks. And it just took on a life of its own and it became news. And now we're talking about it in Roseburg. Right. Right. Well, because how can we not? I mean, it's all over every social media outlet known to man and on the news. Right. So here's why it's interesting. Today, if you you could go look this up right now, the, the price of GameStop this year, Right. If you look at the 52 week highs for this year, it got up to four hundred and eighty three dollars a share at one point. What? And what did it start at? And by the way, that happened in late January, like on the somewhere like end of January or so 26th, 27th, 28th. We saw the price in the middle of the day spike over four hundred and eighty dollars a share. Wow. A year ago, the low for the stock. Get this. $52 $52 or $2.57 rather. $2.57. $2.57. So imagine taking $50,000 and buying in at $10 a share and then having the price go up to $483. It's at 90 right now. It's at 90 today, but keep in mind that two days ago it was over oh, 300. It was, yeah, it was. I know, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, it was to, over it was 325, th- close to. On January 20th, 29th, oh. I think it was like $329 at the close, something like that. So it's collapsed. Yeah, it went from right? 325 down to 90. Now, the question is is it because the bubble has burst or is it because of something else going on that, illus- again, illustrates the difference between retail and institutional investors oh my goodness so what do you think i think we should take our next break we are going to take our next break when we come back then i'm going to talk to you a little bit about what may or may not be driving the price of this down because there's some things that are influencing supply and demand a lot and then we'll talk about why but we got to take this next break so stick around we'll be right back this is dave littlejohn and katie shook yeah true wealth on news radio 1240 kqen All right, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. Dave Littlejohn in studio. With Katie Shuck. We're talking about... GameStop. (laughs) You know what? I don't think it's GameStop. No, we're talking about how this happens. Well, I'm talking about... We're getting into the mechanics of the market today. Mechanics is like the how it works, who the parties are, and why some of these things are important to understand if you're going to start to wade into the pool. Right? Well, you're talking institutional versus retail. Yeah, so we're talking institutional versus retail because I'm actually talking today about the process of how stocks 
are bought or sold and how price movement can be influenced, okay? Because ultimately, pricing for the, the positions that are purchased, right? And if you're out there, by the way, you may be saying, doesn't matter to me, I'm just gonna go buy mutual funds. That is to a certain extent true. But the managers that you have hired vis-a-vis -vis your mutual funds are still are dealing with this. this yeah. Okay? Even the S&P 500 managers or these index funds, right? Those, they, they have a formula, but they have to play within the market construct, which is why exchange-traded funds and mutual funds have expense ratios because there are mechanical costs associated with buying tranches of the market. And what we're really putting to the test right now is the theory that markets are efficient. Okay, this is a really fascinating layer. And I'm again, I'm just scratching the surface. It'll be a subject for a future show about the efficient market hypothesis. Okay. Okay. And that and, and the basic idea is that the market no, that everything about what that's known about a stock is reflected in the price of the stock. And I will take issue with that because we can enter GameStop as one of our examples. GameStop was like a, you know, big guy versus little guy. Like you said, it was kind of a weird. It's more than that even. GameStop is about getting a bunch of momentum behind a stock and what that can mean. Okay. Because I'm going to now blow everybody's mind for a minute. If you want to have some fun on Google, there's something called a short ladder attack. A short ladder attack? Yep. Okay, what is that? Or, or just a ladder attack in general. This is a method that is on the verge. It's it's legal, but if it were done where you were also falsifying information or trying to mislead people, <clears throat> then it could be highly illegal. And now we have to drag Reddit back into the picture. Uh, we're talking gray area here. So what happens is, when you want to influence the price of a stock and you have billions of dollars, you can actually structure a series of tiny orders that are intended to essentially create price movement. Right now, why would you do that, though? Because you if you have a big short position and you want the stock to go lower, you could take a lot of tiny orders against the retail side of the market that has a lot fewer participants. And if you had the right data and information, you could see all of the orders as they were being laid out on one side of the auction, right? Okay. It's like being able to say, well, I know what everybody's kind of looking to bid for their auction price on one side. So you're testing it kind of? Like you're, you're it's, throwing it's them in there? It's more so than that. So when you have orders, a lot of people put an order to buy something at a specific price. They say, I want to make a limit order, meaning I'll buy GameStop maybe for $100. Okay. And I want to buy 100 shares for $100. Oh, okay. I did that on Disney because I was sure. like, when it hits this level, I want to buy this much. Right. Okay. So I've done but that. But the sellers oftentimes can see what the buyers are willing to pay. And if they have a, a billion dollar block of money to work with, and they look at a day when there's not that many sellers that show up, and they could see the whole order book from top to bottom, they may buy a whole tranche of it specifically because they blow through your order and they go to the next person behind you and behind you and behind you and behind you. And the next thing you know, they've printed a really low price and now it triggers another computer that turns on its defensive algorithm. Uh, and now it creates more liquidity from them to get out of their position. 
Because if you said you would buy it at that price and that price is met, then it automatically executes. Right. And the other thing is, how many times have you ever watched a stock move and then you've been afraid like, oh, it's going down. I better sell now before it's too late. Well, it's, I don't do that because I don't invest, emotionally right. invest. <laughs> it's a very retail-centric methodology True. because a lot of retail investors get caught up in the emotions right. of the process. And, and so that's where the mistakes happen. So the the quote unquote smart money and the big money will look at this and they will be very strategic with their pricing profiles and and a lot of it is designed to try to create movement in the markets the other thing is and this is something that high frequency traders do high frequency traders are, are, are traders that buy and sell a lot and they'll both buy and sell a lot in a day i mean you're talking about maybe hundreds or thousands of transactions in a second what Yes. You can do them that quickly? Yes. Why would somebody do them that quickly? Because they can see the order flow from the retail marketplace and they know if people are trying to buy or sell and they get out in front of you and they do it just fractions of a second beforehand to take advantage of the movement that you're creating. Does that take a special computer? Oh yeah. They have <laughs> data farms of computers uh, that are like within blocks of Wall Street so that they can do all this. Uh, I have been on the show before and I made a case. I think this is unfair because essentially they are front running other traders which is not legal right, right. if i as, an, as if i saw that my client wanted to purchase something and i placed an order just before them to drive the price to up. drive to to take advantage of a better price because they're going to come in and buy or if i wait for them to sell and then sell afterwards because they're going to you know they they're going to they're going to take the hit for me by being the first person oh right that's front running that's not legal okay so some of this is going on right now and my larger point to this entire conversation today is helping all of you all as investors out there understand that when you hear things like the game is rigged parts of it are, are. probably rigged yeah parts of it can be and so i would like to see the markets more democratized and that i think everybody should have the same rules of engagement it should be fair for everybody and the thing is when a hedge fund can pay really big money for really expensive data feeds to get access to information that you can't get, uh, that's an they have an advantage. Yeah, it's an institutional advantage, and we were supposed to be getting rid of that with a lot of the the new technology, and so the the new technology has created lots of access, but now we have also seen that it can create some. Obs obfuscation or just the ability within technology to do things because the regulators don't even know how to deal with it. Right. Like if you had the legit orders in there and then people went in and started buying bits of it up to drive a price down, like, but you had the order in, like the order was legal and they bought it legally. Right. So the transaction isn't illegal, but kind of what they're doing is a little shady. Yes. So let's take all of this information and go back to the GameStop concept. Okay. Here's what I think is interesting. It is possible, though it doesn't appear probable, GameStop had a really rough day today. It fell 60%. $135 decline. It's now $90 a share. Remember, this is a stock that almost hit 500 Yeah, it was up at 400 uh, week or, or a week or so ago. So as this bubble is popping, my question is, can it be reflated? And 
when I look now, the data that I have is still publicly available. You can go to a company called finviz.com and you can go look this up. And the ticker symbol for GameStop is GME. Yeah. And again, I am not making any recommendation. In fact, this is not an investment. And I'm specifically saying I'm not making this recommendation. Yeah, this is not investment right. advice, people. But what's been fascinating to me, and I don't know how often they update their data on this, but Finviz has been pretty good about keeping most of their data up to date. I mean, they have the daily price moves and whatnot. And what they're saying is that there's a total of 65.2 million shares outstanding, a float of 50.65 million, 50 million shares float, and 121.98% of those shares are shorted. So it is still, based on the data I'm seeing, it's indicates oversold. that there are more shares that have been shorted than exist. And if all of the people that have been buying this stock are still holding it, then it's now that's harder to say because the volume today looked pretty high. But comparatively speaking, volume um, was really big a few days ago. And now the volume, uh, it was bigger today than it was the last several. But it could be institutional volume like people that, trying to buy it, it back it, lower so i don't know it could be a short ladder attack that has driven some of this activity by hedge funds interesting and so i i do not know that i'm not accusing them and i'm so i want to be very careful with the way i describe this to you that i don't know that that is the it's case it's a little conspiracy theory it is it's a little conspiracy theory but looking at what's going on i find myself like huh Right. I mean, it's possible. So it's it's not off the table and it's I'm not so sure that this thing is over. It may be right. It may be. And that's why I'm saying this is purely speculation at this point. But the behavior is awfully fascinating. So I don't know how many people were really shaken out by this and said, well, I better sell now and take my profits versus how many people just said this is a crusade. Now, what's the last thing that makes this really interesting i have no idea but i know you're gonna tell me well we have to take our last <laughs> break right but i'm gonna tell you that reddit there's one other wild card that we need to understand about the markets and it's happening right now in reddit and it's relevant and i'll share what it is after this break stick around this is dave littlejohn and katie shuck we got true wealth on news radio 1240 kqen All right, gang, welcome back to the home stretch of the True Wealth Radio Show. Dave Littlejohn. And Katie Shuck, you know you are hanging on that cliffhanger. What's the one thing that we need to know about all this craziness that's going on? So if you're just joining us, remember, we've been talking about, we've been using GameStop as the stock because everybody's talking about it. But we're talking about the mechanics of the market. And the one thing that's really weird about all of this, we've talked about what it meant to be a short seller. We've talked about how institutions will sometimes uh, attempt to influence price because it's in their best interest, right? And, and that's not necessarily illegal either. They're not doing anything wrong. Here's where it gets interesting though. What fueled the GameStop phenomenon in the first place? It was the Reddit boards. Well, it certainly started with the Reddit boards. These are these retail investors that I'll, I'll call them sort of like the the sofa investor, right? Hey, I got a laptop and an internet connection. I'm at home and I've got some money. Maybe it's from the stimulus. Maybe it's from my job. Maybe it's from the piggy bank. Whatever the case, 
they got some money and decided to start buying this thing. And when the word got out in a small group environment that this GameStop phenomenon, that the stock looked like there was more stocks sold short than existed in the current float, it took on a mind of its own. Well, here's where it gets interesting. These messages were being communicated amongst this group on Reddit. Okay. okay? Which is this online messaging board. Well, Reddit has blown up, and in like the last week, it went from 1 million to 5 million users. But in the last year, it was not even a million users. That's a, a lot. A bunch of those users aren't real people. What? They are bots. Okay? These are computer programs that go in and put out messages to attempt to influence other people. See, there's a weird thing in the stock market. There's just something called a pump and dump. Okay. That doesn't sound very good. <laughs> the pump and dump is the idea of pumping up the value of a stock so that somebody so that you can, can get then rid of sell it. it when it gets really high. And then when the stock collapses, it's somebody else's problem. Aww. So that's the pump and dump. And if you falsify information or mislead people, then you can theoretically do this. And this has been a scam that's gone on forever right. since the beginning of the stock market. Right. The question is, are some of these bots potentially linked to anybody in Wall Street and not Main Street? Now, why would they do that though? Why would there why would there be bots linked to Wall Street? What's well, I don't I don't know. Nor do I want to make this an accusation. But the concern would be if there was, then it would be essentially market manipulation, right? Falsifying information is not all that dissimilar from libel or slander. Which is illegal, like, by right. jail time, I mean. Well, yeah, if you were caught doing that intentionally to try to uh, essentially manipulate the retail investor with false information and you were caught doing it, yeah, that's a potential go-to-jail kind of event. <laughs> Y'all remember Martha Stewart, right? Like, insider well, trading. And like that it's... was simple with Martha Stewart. <laughs> I, I mean, come this on. Is, this is, a, like, straight-up lying to people. That's a con job. Yeah. Right now, it could be happening on the Reddit, but it is happening. There's false information right now. The, the question is, is this just First Amendment free speech, bunch of idiots chatting on a, on a computer screen? Or is this now intentional? A, yeah. Is this a coordinated effort by parties designed to try to influence those that are in this environment? Now, because you could also argue that there's a bunch of people that got organized and March is sort of like a, there was the Occupy Wall Street, mm -hmm. right? This could be like the digital version of Occupy Wall Street. It's true. So I don't know how that gets sorted out. I know that regulators are going to have their hands full. Are there even enough regulators to deal with this? I mean, it's such a crazy conundrum well, on how, how fast do, it's taken off. How do you unravel it? I mean, really, how are you going to get into the Reddit board and start chasing down IP addresses and then you know the people and then trace it back to their secured brokerage accounts you're going to what get subpoenas to go look at their trading behaviors and see how they're doing this is a really giant giant oh, it's list a spider web and yeah so you look at this and say practically speaking i don't and it the problem may take care of itself in that if the stock craters again then you know people just get washed out of this thing but if it's proven that there have been large institutional players that are intentionally manipulating the market, that's going to go right back to fueling the distrust, the distrust of of Main Street. And right? I mean, 
how is that even possible? Because we've talked about the efficiency of the markets, though. Like, if the market's supposed to already be efficient, how can it be well, persuaded so heavily uh, by something? That, to me, is a it's an interesting comment because I don't know that I buy that markets are efficient, right? Now, markets are relatively efficient, and the longer the time horizon, the more efficient the market, right? So, like, day-to-day, moment-to-moment, I don't think markets are efficient. But I think over a year-to-year or decade-to-decade, I think the markets are quite efficient. Okay. Right. So I think they're very efficient so they're more the longer your time then. horizon. So that's why people say, look, long-term buy and hold investing still is very effective because the market sort of sorts the winners and losers out pretty effectively. But in the short term, what we've just learned is that through uh, that you can have markets get really imbalanced when you've got these new digital platforms that allow people to buy fractional shares or to communicate with large groups of people to influence purchasing behavior and so you know those things can create price dislocations in the short term because you're you're really getting the supply and demand curve out of whack because if you got a loud enough megaphone and you can convince people yeah get enough can, ears you can change the demand side of the curve and that's kind of what happened is the you convince thing. everybody that, hey, this is a good idea. Everybody buy this stock regardless of price. Well, remember the pump and dump scheme. Even if it was well-intended, you could essentially pump up the price of a stock because right now nobody's using any kind of valuation model to trade this. They're just saying, well, scarcity suggests that the hedge funds have to buy it back, and I'll just put a sell limit at $10,000 a share. And if they want it bad enough, they'll pay. That's crazy. It's crazy, but... But it can happen. It's actually true even though I think it's statistically a super long shot. Right. Like, I wouldn't advise going and betting the farm that way. But it is fascinating. And I think that we'll be unpacking this for Oh, weeks, many weeks months, to come. Because it's going to unravel somehow. But, I mean, life likes order. So something that's completely imbalanced is going to find a way to balance it out. Well, and you know what? Politicians like regulation. And this has really created some loud squawking. And there's going to be some people that made big money and some people that lose big money. And they're going to they're going to have to look at this and say, did was the playing field level? And I just don't know that. <laughs> uh, we can that's say, a big question. Mark. I don't I don't know if we can say yes, but I don't know if we can say, say no, no either. Yeah. yeah. Big, big question mark. So there you go. Look, there's your lesson of the day. The mechanics of the market, supply and demand and the short squeeze. So thanks for hanging on today. Look, if you have got information more specific to your circumstance, give us a call. 541-375-0898. All right. And then the social and all that stuff, too. So check us out at littlejohnfs.com. But we got to run. Katie, thanks as always. Thank you for having me. All right. Until next time, this has been Dave Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. You got True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. The preceding program was paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.